Kings Win Podcast, episode seven. Damn. Seven. That's like a biblical number. We finally, we finally made it to seven. Mm-hmm. But happy new year. I know that January is almost done, but happy new year to mm-hmm. everyone. Let's get things rolling, I guess, Joey. So we were trying to figure out the episode for today, and I said, let's let's try Aquaman out, you know? Um, I got a chance to watch it uh, earlier earlier this month with a friend of mine, and I kind of liked it. I actually really enjoyed it, to be honest with you. Um, and let me tell you why. Okay. It reminded me, it reminded me of the old school blockbuster action movies that I grew up watching in high school. Mm. You know, it's just like, so one of the major yeah. things that it reminded me of was The Mummy. I don't know why, but I think just that like, yeah. kitschy adventure cheesiness and yeah, um, yeah, very cheesy. But I liked it. I liked the cheesiness of it. So Fun, right? it was Fun a lot. It was, yeah. yeah, it was. It was like a roller coaster ride. You know what I'm saying? It's like, will I go on that roller coaster ride again? No, maybe not. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. For for I was surprised. Surprisingly, I enjoyed it. Yeah, maybe because I didn't had too much expectations on it but overall i thought it was a good movie what did what did you think because i think i felt i felt i'm gonna feel a little convicted here joey i felt that i kind of go go did you to say you got to watch aquaman you have to watch aquaman yeah and, and <laughs> um, to be honest like i watch every superhero movie that comes out anyways right just because i'm a, a big nerd like that um i don't know why man like i really Especially when it comes to DC movies, right? Like, Man of Steel, in my opinion, was, oh, okay, decent. I like this, this version. And then everything went downhill, uh, up until Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman was like, okay, maybe there's a hope, there's hope for the DC universe. And so Aquaman was somewhere in the middle between, yeah. um, like, being really bad and being really potentially good, you know? Right. So you, right. you basically tricked me into watching Aquaman. Oh, no, you you hyped it up for me. That that's what you did. Yes, that's exactly what I did. This is such a great movie. <laughs> totally watch it, and I'm like, okay, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I mean, like, I I don't know that it was the best, and I'll okay. have my reasons, right? And we can go yeah. into later. But so, um, hey, I respect your decision. I really appreciate you. You yeah. know, it shows shows how much you respect me as a friend. <laughs> to go and check this movie out with Esther. So I appreciate that. And I think what I did for you is what didn't happen to me. Mm. Expectation, you know. But anyway, besides the point, I really... Now, the two-thirds of the movie, they could have really boiled it down to 30 minutes, in my opinion. Two-thirds of the movie wasn't okay. It wasn't great. But the last third was... I thought was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I enjoyed about it the most. The last third of the movie when finally Aquaman realizes who he is, who he needs to be, and accomplishes that. I think that's uh, – and I found, for me, I guess because I w- I'm reading I – was, I was reading during that time, I was reading Ephesians, and okay. maybe, maybe my mind was so focused on that, but I saw a lot of parallels in regards to eschatology. God's plan, what what God wants to accomplish with his creation. And so uh, so that last third really resonated with that, really resonated with those biblical themes. And so 
happens. So I thought that was, I thought it, they did, I thought the director did it well. Now, now granted though, and this is something that I want to talk about because you bring up really good points about this, but granted though, I don't think the director was Christian and I don't think that they were really promoting Christian themes, but yeah. what's amazing and what we've seen in the past six episodes that a lot of these things in popular culture, the films, superhero movies, yeah. For some reason, something we can get something out of them. We can, and it really resonates with our faith. And I think that's what you and I really enjoy when we go yeah. watch these movies. It's, it's like, it's not just simply this awesome action blockbuster, but it also is edifying spiritually, right? And yeah, yeah and so, yeah, right. So, so I want, I want to, I want, I want to continue on with that idea. And I want you to explain what you were talking about in regards to Hollywood and sure, yeah. Christianity. Yeah, I mean, some people may ask, like, why are you guys, the Kingsman, Simon and Joey, talking about Christian faith in movies, specifically movies that come out of Hollywood, specifically superhero movies? I think the average person would say that's a stretch, trying to connect the Christian faith to pop culture, right? Like. And Right. And if I, sorry to interrupt, but also like within even Christian circles, you know, where like in yeah. my, in my experience, there, there was some folks that were just like, how can you actually see anything Christ-like in the yeah. movie, you know, and just right. like, and, and, or also, mm -hmm. or even, or even, are you even, are you just faking it till you're making it kind of idea where it's just uh, like, are you real? you're pushing the envelope here. I don't right. see that. What's wrong with you guys? You're, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're just justifying watching these movies, mm -hmm. you know, for yeah. your Christian spirituality. I, and like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And yeah, so go well, ahead. Most people would say that, that a, a good Christian movie is Mel Gibson's The Passion or is it Facing the Giants? You know, right, like, right, exactly. There has to be something like evangelical or gospel or it needs to be cheesy and nice and for that to be counted as Christian, you know? But for me, it, I feel like the 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 themes and the topics that the Christian faith addresses, it could be peace or violence or revenge or reconciliation, forgiveness, mercy. Like those things are so deep and profound that it penetrates through all of society. It all you don't even have to be Christian or religious to deal with these these issues, right? And so for for Hollywood to to make movies about those deep, heavy, meaningful issues. Um, it, all that means to me is that God's embedded himself into our culture, right? And we can't help but talk about things that are meaningful, things that matter. And so I think the reason why you and I can watch basically any movie, I mean, you watch Stranger Things of all <laughs> stuff, right? And you, and you right. connect it to God somehow. The reason why you're able to do it is because you have this interpretive grid. Um, you have, in a sense, like glasses or, or lenses where this is the gospel, this is the Christian faith, and no matter where you turn your gaze, you'll, you'll see God in the shadows, in the bushes. You know, God's uh, inevitably shining through um, whatever you watch, right? So this is kind of like a, like a, a caveat, right? None of the stuff that you and I will talk about was probably ever intentional from the director. Right. Murder. Right or anyone in Hollywood, they're not trying to talk about Christian themes. You and I are just making connections with the Bible, with theology, that that maybe is kind of hidden 
but no, no human agent hit, hit it. It's, I feel like it's the Holy Spirit who put it in their hearts and that they wanted to expound upon these things that matter, you know? And this is another side note then. I'm no, not I, sure that Aquaman is a very deep movie, but I think Aquaman, fine. the archetype of a hero, that is worth talking about. You know, like, um, for, for those of you who don't think Aquaman is a great movie, I'm with you. <laughs> um, but I feel like Aquaman stands in for the hero, right? Like, what does a hero, what does a king, uh, mm. or even what does a man stand for, you know? Right. Yep. And, and so that's worth talking about. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts with what you're just sharing, like, but the whole idea that, God can go beyond the walls of the church to show truth, right? And and I think that's why I'm so fascinated by popular culture. I grew up, you know, just gorging myself with popular culture, right? And yeah. and it's it's so it's so intertwined with the way I think, but it's so intertwined with the way other people think as well. And I think we as as the church, we really need to take a moment to observe popular culture, in my opinion, because this is what the general consensus of people want, right? That's what popular culture is. That's what popular medium is. So when the, all these TV shows are coming out and all these comic books or, or these memes now, you know, and all these things, when, when they're coming out, they reflect basically what the, popular, the populace perceive as reality. Right. You know, and so, you know, talking about heroes, talking about grace, talking about forgiveness, talking, talking about justice, all these things that we see over and over again in film and in other mediums um, of popular culture, they really are. They're basically kind of saying this is what this is what the people want. This is what the populace wants. And so if they want grace, if they yeah. want forgiveness wrapped in a maybe non-Christian way, but this is what they desire. It's like, okay, it's almost as if we're seeing the, 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 the inner soul of people yeah. as a church. And so knowing that is like, okay, now this is how they perceive grace, forgiveness, yeah. all these things to be. But how do we as a, as a church yeah. show them and teach them, okay, well, here's the Christian way or here's, you know, and there's parallels, there's truth to that. But here's the difference between Christianity. I don't know. But so that's one, one way that I, I think that what we're doing and why we think the way we think is beneficial. But also another thought I had was what you were saying about Hollywood and truth. And I thought about Tolkien and I thought about C.S. Lewis, you know, and that story of how C.S. Lewis was talking to Tolkien as they were walking and they were, and, and Tolkien was talking about that the gospel is the, is the meta epic, the meta story for everything. So all those great stories about heroes and knights of anguishing dragons yeah. and, and sacrifice, sacrifice and all that, all those, all those myths, fiction as they are, point to the true epic story, mm, the true right. story of the gospel and of the Bible and so yeah. forth. And so for me, yeah. that's how I, I perceive popular media. Whereas the idea is that since we are all created by God, they have some, these people who won't call themselves children of God or the people of God or Christians, if you will, they still have 
truth in them, you know, and they, they want to explain that truth. They want to convey that truth artistically. Yeah. And then the final thing is, biblically speaking, I was just reminded of when, when you were saying all these things, I was reminded of the book of Acts, you know, and that the Holy Spirit went beyond the disciples, went beyond the people of Jerusalem. You know, the whole thesis of the book of Acts was, you know, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus right. Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all of the world, you know, and many times the Holy Spirit was moving yeah. faster than the apostles, right? You know, yeah. and yeah. so, and then the apostles come in and confirm it, but like, but this is what I see. I, and I feel that we're living in a, you know, an amazing time right now, Joey. I really do. That mm-hmm. the church could really be a voice for people uh, more so than ever, because like I said, if popular culture is talking about all these things that are very deeply rooted in Christianity, you know, I think we have this awesome opportunity to yeah, profess right. Christianity, profess the gospel, profess the Bible in a way that will really resonate to people where it's like, okay, yeah. all these stories that we love and, and cherish, maybe Aquaman wasn't the greatest, but mm-hmm. you know, Avengers Infinity yeah. War or, or Civil War, Captain America, yeah. These are all fictional stories about heroes fighting for what's right and and yeah. and committing to justice. But we have a God who's who's fighting for what it's right and is committed to justice yeah. and asks yeah. people, you know? And so um to live an actual story, you know. So so I thought that was really cool and that I think that it really yeah edified what you were saying, what you, your thoughts about Hollywood and Christianity it really edified me, you know, it's just because it really confirmed, okay, I'm not weird, <laughs> you know, I'm not weird. Like, maybe I am weird, but that's okay because there's something yeah. um, that we can, uh, we can put on the table of Christ's mission um, right. for others, you know, so. Yeah. We're talking about like works of art here, right? Like, right. Specifically movies. Yeah. But we could include music. Paintings, architecture, like there's all kinds of artwork out there that talks about the truth, you know? And, and we yeah. talked about this in episode six with uh, Dr. Stephen Stephen Seeger. Yeah. That, like, that the Holy Spirit is working through all kinds of art forms. And in my opinion, one of the, the greatest pieces of literature of all time is the Bible, you know? Mm. Yeah. And it's a wellspring of amazing stories that cover all kinds of themes and, and, Somehow the church, you know, at least the churches that I have been a part of are content with just talking about two themes. Like, you're a sinner. You're going to go yeah. to hell. Yeah. Right. So make sure that you're saved so that you can go to heaven. And that's basically about it. You know, those are the only themes that we talk about. And I feel like you, like you said, there's a, uh, there's a huge opportunity here because the Holy Spirit is working throughout creation. Among people, even people who don't acknowledge that they're the God, the Spirit's working through them to to touch upon things that matter, like topics that are actually of significance. Mm. Um, so, like at least, like even with just Aquaman, right? We'll, we'll get more into it in de- later. But right. Aquaman addresses topics that that are deeply significant in ways that a lot of times the church ignores. Yeah. For example, what do you do when you've been betrayed? Wow, right. Yeah. Right. What yeah, is it exactly to be a strong man or a strong woman? What does it mean to be a humble man or woman? 
What do you do if you're abandoned? What do you do if you've lost a loved one? How do you respond to the call to help other people? You know? These are just profound topics that need to be talked about. Right. But in the church, sadly enough, we don't talk about it because it's too edgy or unknown or whatever. And so what happens is that if we don't talk about it in the house of God, then other people outside the house of God will talk about it. Right. Somebody needs to talk about it, you know? Exactly. No, that's real. And so for me, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. The, yeah. the last part I want to say is that I read a book by Stephen Guthrie. Um, the book is called Creator Spirit, The Art of Becoming Human. Um, hmm. I thought it was, every chapter I read was just profound because he's talking about the ways in which the Holy Spirit is creator, creating and creative and working in us to make us human, you know? That's what I feel like the main goal is. Um, becoming human isn't something that just comes naturally. It's an art form. It's a dance. It's a, it's something that you have to work on and practice and right. work hard at, you know? And, and I feel like even Aquaman is trying to address what does it mean to be a true and full human being? Mm, wow. In ways good. that, you know, the Christian church hasn't, hasn't talked about. So let's you and I unpack some stuff here and see how, see how we, we learn to become human. All right, let's do it then. So, so like I said, majority of my thoughts comprise of the last third of the movie and how everything is basically wrapped around the idea of what the true king should be. Mm. And, and that will just, I think, reflect on just how we should live also as Christians and, but, but it was the concept and the dichotomy, paradox, tension between peace and violence in, in, in my understanding. Cause so, so basically we can compare these two individuals. One is Aquaman, Arthur Curry and his stepbrother. I forgot his name, but we'll just call him Ocean Master because that's who he's supposed to be, Ocean Master. Okay. Oh, we should um, say that the spoiler alert, right? If oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Watch the movie. You should wait until it comes out on Redbox, then you can watch it. <laughs> um, but we're going to talk about the movie, so just don't spoil it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Spoilers are always going to happen, right? You know, and so yeah. you just you just got to accept it. And like, if you watch it after with the spoilers, and if it's still a good movie for you, yeah. it tells you that's a good movie, right? Even though I was spoiled sure. by it. You know? yeah. Anyways. So, so you're talking about The King, right? Yes, I am talking about the king. So let me just start off with these ideas. So I'll just focus on Arthur Curry first. Of course, he's the main character, and therefore he's the protagonist. He's, and in many ways, his upbringing and his origin is very similar to the incarnation, where he's, he's, he's an individual who, whose beginnings come from two different places. One is of the sea and is, and the other is of, is of, um, one is of the sea and one is of the land, right? He, he's the harmony of both. He's the unification of both. And, and in Christianity, Jesus Christ is confirmed in that way. Uh, we elevate and we venerate Christ that he is not only God, but he's also fully man as well, yeah. you know? And, and so from the very get go, you can tell, 
you know from the film that this person is the Christ figure of the story. Obviously, there's there's no doubting that. But because of that, it's it's pertinent to know then. Well, how does he? How does he respond to conflict? How does he respond to? How does he respond to the dilemma in the film as who he is? Because he's also affirmed as a king, and he's yeah. also affirmed as the unifier. And and that was one of the first things that really resonated with me with the book of Ephesians in this film, that mm-hmm. that the main purpose, according to Ephesians, according to Paul, the main purpose of God's will, God's will for his creation is to unite heaven and earth together, heaven mm-hmm. and earth together. That's his main purpose. That's the will of, of God. He shows that. God shows that. This is what Paul is saying. God shows that by welcoming Gentiles mm. into yeah. God's, God's people. That mm. it's no longer you being an ethnic Israelite. It's no longer you being ethnically Jewish that you are now welcome into God's, God's kingdom. Also, Gentiles are welcomed into God's kingdom. Mm. That, also, yeah. that reflects the unification between heaven and earth. Yeah. In many ways, that's exactly what's happening in this in this story where there's there's it it almost seems like there's like this chosen group the seven kingdoms of of the sea you know mm-hmm. and they they're they are they are elevated in status they're due to the pressure of the sea they're 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 physically far superior than those who dwell in the land and stuff like that and but there's like almost a sense of animosity from the sea because all the people from the land are just mucking the sea up right, with trash yeah. and pollution and everything, right? Yeah. And so they wanna they want to they want to declare war against the land dwellers, right? Because of all their all their I'll just say it, all their transgressions yeah. are impacting the sea. You know, them polluting, war, violence, everything is impacting the sea, and the sea can't take it anymore and they wanna declare war. That's what Ocean Master wanted to do. Right. And he devised a way to do it, right? And so that was part of the movie. But what does Arthur Curry, what does Aquaman do? It's like, no, that's mm. not the way to do it. It's the way to do it because I am fully land dweller and fully sea dweller. I understand that there's good yeah. things for both yeah. from both. And we need to unify rather than be in conflict, you know? So yeah, that was my first thought. Yeah. Let's let's go with yours. Well, going off of what you're saying here, Simon, um, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones videos, uh, video essays, analyses, right? Okay. And nice. apparently, George R. R. Martin, his one of his favorite lines is that the villain is actually the hero of the other side. The villain is the hero of the other side. So we, on my side, I think that he's a villain. He's a bad guy, but on his mm. side, he's the good guy. Right. You know? Right. I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like this ambiguous thing because, in, at least in the Game of Thrones world universe, everybody is thinks that they're the the one who is correct and who is has the the claim to the throne or whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about Ocean Master wanting to destroy the land for everything that the land has done against the sea, um, you almost have sympathy for him because, well. If you care about the environment, <laughs> you have to. <laughs> like yeah. if, if you're the, the type of person who likes to dump trash and waste and toxins into the ocean, then you probably don't care at all. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I see Ocean Master and in a way parallel to Killmonger. Because okay. yeah. Killmonger was abandoned, was thrown, thrown to the side, um, forced into um, the military, did atrocious acts, and and the whole African-American, even just black-skinned people, were mistreated. And he wants to do an uprising and take over the world and oppress the oppressors, you know? And mm-hmm. part of the, the, the convincingness of this, the, the, the persuasiveness of it, is that Killmonger is right. His methods are wrong, but his motivation is justified. And Ocean, yeah. what is this thing? Ocean, Ocean Master. Master. Yeah, yeah, Ocean Master. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a joke. Ocean Master, Aquaman. Hey, you know, back in the '60s, they 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 were allowed cheesy cheesy yeah, names. Right. Know? Yeah, I'll give them. That. <laughs> All right, but he's justified, right? Like, if if someone came to your house and trashed it. You wouldn't like that either. You would want to retaliate, right? Yeah. You took something from me, I'll take something from you. You trash my house, I'll trash your house. The motivation of this villain is, I'm sympathetic to it. But it's, the, again, it's the, the method that is wrong, not the motive. Right. Um, right. So that's just like, I didn't even think I was going to talk about Ocean Master and how he's a valid villain of the movie. But, you were saying that Aquaman was, he's kind of like a Christ figure. Right. Well, he is definitely right, right, right. If there were a Christ figure, it would be Aquaman, right? Because he yeah. is a representative of two disparate peoples. Um, one Atlantean and one land dwellers, whatever, half human. I feel like there's something embedded within like the human psyche or within culture where we understand that it's not possible to reconcile two groups without a meaning. Mm. Uh, it's not possible okay. for two estranged, divorced groups, two enemy groups to ever just say, okay, truce. You know? There always has to be some kind of intercessor or mediator or right. peace talk, peace talk, peacemaker within to make this unity happen. In the old days, it was like marriages of houses, marriages of, of kingdoms, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, right? But I feel like the incarnation, the, the, the fact that Jesus is the God-man, he is yeah. the ultimate mediator between two estranged parties. Nice. And so there's this sense of like isolation that happens. I'm trying to read a book now by Miroslav Volf and... And he, he's arguing that there's all kinds of exclusion that's happening, right? Like, yeah. different people groups exclude other people groups for various reasons. It could be all kinds of prejudices. And, and it could be like, your dad hurt my dad and your grandpa hurt my right. dad. And it just goes back and back and back and back. And no one even knows who started it. But the <laughs> other person is always at fault. And I'm always right. the righteous one, you know? And so the, the whole situation leads to, we're all estranged from each other. We, we live in a society where, where it's almost like not just permissible, but encouraged to exclude and exclude mm. and marginalize other people. Right. So right. in that kind of a mess, the only way to find peace is to have a middleman 
or middle woman, mm. a mediator, right? Um, and that's why yep. Aquaman has to stand in that gap. And that's why he's kind of a, I see it all as a, a faint echo of the real truth, right? The real truth that Jesus yeah. did in the gap things. No, that's good. Actually, you know, that the whole, the whole gap idea, you know, Jesus standing in the gap, I always, and it must be just hardwired in my, in my yeah. evangelical thinking, but that always stood for like, okay, I was separate from God. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I was separate from, I was separate because of my sins. There was this deep chasm between me and God and, and, and it's over. I can't, I can't, I can't traverse the chasm to, to reach God. And so Jesus stood in the gap for me. That's how I always understood it. But you're providing another detail, which I think is, has a whole lot of contextual truth into it, where the idea is that he not only stands in the gap between us and God, but he, he also stands in the gap between ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's great. Um, you know, one of those hot, hot political terms that are, that are being used today, it's tribalism, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that, and, and I think that's exactly what you were explaining that we, 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 co we congregate and we cluster around people that look exactly like us. And then we are suspicious of the other side, you know, and that's exactly Ocean Master, right? He, he's, he's only thinking about us, um, mm -hmm. the, 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 the seven kingdoms, but even in his mindset, there's a hierarchy of the yeah. seven kingdoms, right? There's like, right. there's his, his kingdom. Then there's this other kingdom and then everyone else that look like shrimp people and fish people, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's like, okay, you know, we're superior and, you know, and, and what, how does that show? That shows one by murdering the, the fisher person, the, that king, but then also waging war with those shrimp people. Right. And so it's just like yeah. um, the kingdom of the brine, you know, and then the kingdom of the fishermen. Um, and it shows that, Ocean Master was so deeply rooted in his tribalism, in his in his just us versus them mentality, that even those that supposed to be aligning themselves with him got hurt because of yeah. him. You know, yeah. Arthur Curry steps up and he goes beyond that, and he says, "Not only am I going beyond the kingdoms of the sea, but I'm also." I'm also standing in the gap for those that are living on the land, you know? And so that's a good point. And so stand, Jesus stands in the gap yeah, between us and God, but also ourselves, yeah. you know, each other. So but, that's, yeah. that's really good. And I, I don't want to just leave it at that. Actually, like Jesus stood in the gap. He's our great intercessor and our great high priest. And we should adore him and worship him and give him. Absolutely. Glory, right. right. I, like, the average Christian will just say, well, that's fantastic. I'm going to move on with my life. You yeah. Know? And that's where I feel like these superhero movies, all of them, right? All of them have merit because they all encourage you to become the hero mm. in your life. Right? Nice. In the community. Right. Um, you should be the friendly neighborhood, whatever, right? <laughs> right, right, and exactly. You take exactly. whatever powers and abilities and whatever fate gave to you, and you do, you take that and you help the weak. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's what Jesus has been teaching us this whole time. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. not like he, he stood in the gap, he interceded for us, he brought two estranged parties together and saved us from our isolation just because. <laughs> you know? Right. Jesus calls us to do the same. You go yeah. do and likewise. You yeah. Know? 
that we are now supposed to stand in the gap for those who are weak and oppressed and vulnerable, and, and we're supposed to imitate. Uh, what, what else does it mean to become Christ-like if not to do what Christ does? Absolutely. Exactly. And so I hope that by watching superhero movies, we, we find the courage and the, the, the motivation and the inspiration to get up and act or do right. something about it against insurmountable odds. Yep. And so that goes up to my next point in regards to Arthur Curry. We see in two-thirds of this, of this film, we see him hesitant of mm -hmm. his, of his, of his authority, of his role. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I lived on the land. You guys think that I'm this mixed blood mongrel. Who am I to lead the seven kingdoms? Who am I to be the true king? You know what I'm saying? And so he had this hesitation throughout majority of the film. And it's, and, and then also he was burdened, right? Because he always, he felt guilty that it was because of him being born is what killed his mom, yeah. right? And so anyways, he has all this hesitation, but then they go into the kingdom of the chasm, I feel, I think, with all the zombie fish people, right? Yeah. But that's once, frightening. Yeah, dude. <laughs> right? Over to me, she's like, that's my worst nightmare. <laughs> like, it's a dark hole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> something is coming after you. Exactly. You and a little tiny candle, right? Oh, dude, it's, it's, um, but that's, you know, that's my next point. But that's like, that's how death is, right? That's how, that's how, that's how sin, sin and destruction um, can be as well. You know, they very, they're very much this all-consuming horde, H-O-R-D-E. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, yeah. all they, all they care about is destruction. They have no other purpose, no other, no other sense. They have no mercy and mm. you're going to be consumed by it. But anyways. Uh, so he, so he's hesitant, right? Arthur Curry's hesitant, but then finally, when he sees his mom and he goes into this weird, you know, this weird place in, yeah. in to get the get, to get the 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 trident, because that's, I mean, that's the unifying marker, right? It's the trident of Atlan, the trident that everyone in in this kingdom, all the seven kingdoms, will understand. If he has that trident, then I'm obligated to serve him because this trident has been gone forever. No one has ever seen it. It's gone and so forth. It, it's almost as if this is the marking, the authority that he has yeah. from a godlike figure in the, in, in the past. But anyways, this was kind of like, in many ways, this was the Garden of Gethsemane scene for mm -hmm. Arthur Curry, where the hero knows what he really needs to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. he's, he, he doesn't want to do it. He, he's hesitant to do it. He, okay. He's hesitant of the role, right? But what does the hero do or what does the person do? And just like you said, if Christ is doing this, we as his yeah. followers must follow, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so what does Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Lord, take this cup from me, yet yeah. not my will, but yours be done, you know? And so that, that, so, so there's, so one, hesitation is, is a normal experience. You know, hesitation is something that only a, a, an insane person yeah. will not be hesitant to the plan that God has for the believer. You know what I'm saying? And again, let me just reiterate, going back to Ephesians, the idea that heaven and earth becoming one, unifying as one, that's God's plan. If you're a Christian, God wants you to participate in yeah. that plan as well, Amen. right? Yeah. 
you know? And so now it doesn't mean that all of us do the same thing. We just got to ask, Lord, your will is to unite heaven and earth together. Yeah. You've done that through the church and you're still doing that. How do you want me to accomplish that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, 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 that should be the prayer of every believer once they truly believe that Jesus Christ is the genuine article, right? Yeah. But anyways, we have to, we're, we're, it's okay to be hesitant. It's okay to say, man, this is, this is huge. This is scary. Yeah. I, I might die because of this. I might yeah. physically die because of this. Because what happened to Jesus, you know? Yeah. But not my will, but yours be done. How can I accomplish this? How can you empower me, God, to accomplish this? Because I can't do it on my own. I need you. And so we all will have that hesitation moment. We'll, we'll constantly have those hesitation moments. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah. it must be, we must follow Jesus in that regard and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And I think Arthur Curry had that kind of moment in when he saw his mom, he finally realized, okay, this is what I have to do. And then he comes out and he's decked out in his new armor. And let's talk about that later on, but I'll bring that up again. But you know, he's decked out with Atlan's trident and the new armor and he's ready to go. He's ready to accomplish his. Yeah. the hesitation to accept responsibility is always, it's always real, right? Even for yeah. us today, right? Like nobody wants to accept responsibility for a problem or a crisis or some kind of failure or a breakdown of the thing that you're in, right? Your organization, mm-hmm. your church, your family, right? Accepting responsibility is always hard. And even when there's the threat of death, that makes it even harder because oh, death yeah. is so final and no one, no one, no one knows what happens once death occurs, right? There's, there's rumors and there's ideas and theories, but until you go through it, you have no idea. So that's what makes it so scary and mysterious. I feel like that's the reason why Jesus is such an exemplary hero, because he literally stares death in the face, toe to toe against death. Yeah. And, and not like in this, hopeful like uh I'll, I, there's no way i'll ever lose that kind of an arrogance right but the garden of gethsemane shows you the weight of it all mm. that he, he death and its sting is real and yeah it's, uh, um it's enough to make jesus himself hesitate you know yeah right you don't watch game of thrones do you I used to. I had yeah. I had to wean myself out of it because I was totally consumed by it. So uh, right. yeah. I I stopped. Good of you. <laughs> thanks. Good I stopped the, at the half of the last season. I stopped because. Oh. Well, also I think I was forced to because I didn't have HBO anymore. Oh. So um so yeah, yeah. so it was, but it was it was a benefit in disguise. But let me just say I think Game of Thrones is the storytelling is phenomenal. It's absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah nominal there's certain aspects to it where i wouldn't encourage other people to watch it but um but the inner workings and the intrigue involved of people like this is this is it sucks yeah 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 it's good story Um, there's a moment when uh king rob he he's supposed to be the king of the north he retells the story of how his dad talked about courage what does it mean to be courageous, you know? And and his dad would tell him, like, I'm afraid. And the son would say, how, Dad, how can you be courageous and afraid at the same time? 
And he's and the dad says, That's the only time that you can be courageous. Wow. In the in the middle of fear. Nice. You know? Nice. And that's why I think Jesus is such the such an exemplary epitome of a hero because he's he is afraid. Yep. But he that's the moment. That's yep. the, the time to, to stand and to rise and to plunge head first, headlong into danger, right? Right. Exactly. And and it's all and it happens because Jesus embraces that. He's so he loves his people so much. He loves even those who put him who kill him. Mm. He loves them so much that he's willing to go through death itself to save them, you know? Nice. Um, and I even feel like Arthur Curry kind of had that kind of a maybe it's a resolve or maybe this acceptance. Like somebody asks him, like, but Arthur, if you go and you're going to die. And he's like, well, I guess I die. And it's that kind of abandonment of your self-preservation yeah, that enables yeah. you to be the hero that you want to be, right? Right. And I'm going to bring in another Marvel movie here. Please. Logan. Oh, great movie, man. Logan was so deep. Um, yeah. Not even just as a superhero movie, but just as a plain movie itself. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Logan... He's Wolverine, right? He, right. He's the guy who can heal instantly from bullet wounds and yeah, yeah. stabs and gunshots and all that. And, but in his old age, he's no longer able to heal or regenerate as quickly. All he's really doing is trying to, to die. He's trying to prevent death, you know, just another day, you know? Yeah. He's not afraid of death. I'm not saying that. No, right. He just wants to be left alone. And so when his clone daughter comes along and says, hey, help me out, help me escape to this fictional place in Canada, Logan's like, forget it. It's a fairy tale. Mm. He has no desire to take care of another person. All he's got is his mentor, Professor Xavier, and himself. And also his his other pale buddy. Who, who was that? I forgot his name, but uh, yeah. Caliban. Yeah, Caliban. That's right. Yeah. Good. Nice one. Um, and so he's just He's got a small circle, a small world, and he just wants to take care of what's his and just leave him alone, right? But by the end of the movie, you see the the hero become a hero again. I, oh, golly, Joey. The, nice. He's retired. He's out of that, that whole superhero business. He's just trying to do his thing. And he he learns to love this girl, and he once again picks up responsibility. Nice. Which is what you're talking about, right? The hesitation to accept responsibility. Right. He his his gas tank is already is already empty. He's on his last legs here. He he's gonna he's already dying, you know. And so he's like, I'm gonna give it one more go. I'm gonna embrace death and save this girl so that she can get to where she needs to go. Mm. And and that's why we have one of the best superhero endings of all time. Wow. Right in Logan. Yeah. And it all goes back to this embrace of death, this abandonment of self-preservation so that someone else can live. Mm. That's just pr profound. Yeah. I hope that one day I can die like that, you know, yeah. cool. to, to save someone else and, and God will take care of myself. You know? mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, what Jesus did for us. It's almost as if he, he provided that for every person that says, I believe in Christ. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He, he get, he's given us unlimited resource, the resurrection power. 
he gave us promise that what Jesus experienced on the third day after his death is, is going to happen to you when he returned, you know, knowing that that's assurance, right? That is our assurance. Knowing that if I continue to trust in him, yes, I'm going to screw up. Yes, I'm going to fail. Yes, I'm going to sin, you know, but if I keep coming back to become the hero again, I love yeah. what you said about yeah. Logan, the hero that was lost and misguided becomes the hero again, you know, to know, okay, my life is already taken care of. Yeah. So what can I do? Let yeah. me take care of this other person, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's deep, man. And, and if I can go back to Aquaman, Please, that's, ex that's exactly what Arthur Curry did. You know, once he goes into this tele this other dimension and he finds his mom, remember prior to that, everyone believed that she's dead, yeah. right? Everyone believed that she's dead. Yeah. Ocean Masters thinks she's dead. Um, even Arthur Curry himself thinks he's dead. Who's the only person that had the faith? I mean, let's just be real with it. That had the faith that she's not dead. It was oh, Arthur yeah. Curry's dad. Yeah, the husband. Yep, exactly. And he was so, he was so trusting on that promise that she was going to come back. He was there every day in the morning yeah. waiting for her at the dock. Yeah. Everyone thought she was dead. Everyone except for him. That's faith, man. Yeah. That is faith, right? Yeah. But what happens? What happens? Arthur Curry goes, finds her. She's dead, right? Everyone yeah. thinks she's dead. And I, I, I mm -hmm. can't, I can't stress that enough because in the movie, she's then dead, right? Brings her out. Arthur Curry brings her out of death. Yeah. This was like, yeah. this was the director's, I mean, again, we don't know if that was his intention, but this was the director showing that Arthur Curry had the power of resurrection. Mm -hmm. He literally had the power of resurrection. It was because of what he did brought his mom back to life. Yeah. So that yeah. the relationship between mother and son was given to Ocean Master. Arthur Curry's oh, yeah. enemy. Yeah. Arthur Curry's yeah. enemy. It yeah. was restored. Remember, Ocean Master had a chip on his shoulder against Arthur mm -hmm. Curry because he thought that it was Arthur Curry's fault for being born that killed his mom. Right? He loved his mom. Yeah. And that was another thing that you brought up. He's a great villain, to be honest with you. No matter how much what people think about this movie, Ocean Master is a very awesome villain. He's uh, a good villain. I think oh, he's come on. He's too one-dimensional. No, 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 no. He's, okay. he's more than that. Keep I don't going. think so. T tell anyway. us what Anyways, besides the point, yeah. Arthur Curry was his enemy. And, and what Arthur Curry did, what Aquaman did by bringing mm. his mom back to life, it restored that relationship with yeah. Ocean Master, but then yeah. it also restored the relationship of the most faithful person in the entire movie, yeah. which yeah. was Arthur Curry's dad. Right. You know, there's there's this theo this uh, theological idea of Jesus harrowing hell. That's what we call it in in, in okay. the whole understanding, where God or when Jesus died, he goes to hell, and he saves all the all the saints prior to Jesus mm -hmm. from hell. Yeah. You know, this is this is Arthur Curry's version of it. He harrowed hell. He went into the depths of death and chaos, brought his mom back. So for me, just in summary, him being him him being the progeny of two different worlds, him also him also hesitating in his responsibility, and then also 
him harrowing hell and bringing yeah. someone back to life. These are the three markers that I've noticed in the film yeah. that yeah. make them the Christ figure. So yeah, yeah, the the ability to bring the person back to life is also in Lord of the Rings too. Right, Return of the King. Right, that's one of the the signs that he's the true king is that he's Absolutely. able to heal. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. Anyways, that's a tangent. Um, <laughs> I I didn't see it as the power of resurrection because okay. technically Jesus doesn't resurrect only one person, but he resurrects all persons. That's true. That's you know, true. Who put their faith in him. But I do see that, that the Christus Victor model mm. works in this, right? Christus Victor is a model of atonement that like it basically says that all of humanity is enslaved and in bondage under evil powers, cosmic evil evil powers. And so what God does on the cross and through the resurrection is God defeats the powers. He they, he he takes the weapons out of their hands. He um undermines them, their power. Uh, mm -hmm. And he he pulls people out of slavery. He breaks the shackles that, that keep them tied down. Yep. And freeze them, right? And and yep. that I see is a, is more of a, a parallel to what Arthur Curry does for his mom, because his mom technically isn't dead, but she definitely is in prison. Okay. Trapped. Okay. Trapped. Okay. All right. She can't escape. Like every a method of escape that she tried was impossible, right? So. Oh, but, that's good. Yeah. So it's not like I'm disagreeing with you, Simon. It's it's more like here's another way, you're, another angle. You're adding. Joey, you're adding better nuance to yeah. my claim. So it's really still my idea, but yeah. you're just making it sound yeah, better. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about it if you hadn't told me what you thought, right? So I, but I appreciate you doing that because, yeah. because I think you're right. I think you're right that we always, ha as Christians, we always can't, we can't just say, because this happened in a movie, God's going to do it exactly like that, right? No, it's just like, it's, it's yeah. a reference of it. It's inferring yeah. it. And, and, but this is how Christ did it, you know, and so I appreciate that. So right on, man. So, yeah, so that's him as Christ, right? Him as the Savior and so forth. But he's also king. Aquaman is also king. And he's, he's he, and, but Ocean Master wants to be king as well. And what I see here is through their differences and how they, how they act as king, I feel that this also will, will bring up uh, some truth. So first thing that I noticed was Ocean Master. He wants to be king, but how does he want to be king? He wants to be king through tyranny and authoritarianism, right? Because so yeah. he doesn't have he doesn't have the markers of authority. So what is he going to do? I'm going to do it on my own. Might is right. If I have the will to do it, then I I deserve to be yeah. it, you know? And we see not only in his because it, so this is frightening, right? This is extremely frightening because with that authoritarian idea, that tyranny idea, that empire idea, mm. no yeah. matter what, no matter what, you're going to accomplish your goal, you know, no. And so, and that's what happened. So how did he convince, how does he convince Dolph Lundgren? Because I forgot his <laughs> name. Uh, let me just say, Dolph Lundgren is the man. He's, He's so freaking cool. But classic. Exactly. Super classic. No one can do what he does. No, no, like no him. one. He's a scientist and he's like this black, black belt karate master. Anyways. He? Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's actually really, really smart, right? But he yes, has, he's, he's, a dumb guy. he's brilliant. He's super smart and he's yeah. also this, 
crazy karate master. Anyways, Dolph Lundgren, you're awesome if you ever listen to it. Anyways, uh, (laughs) how does he convince Dolph Lundgren's character to join him for the fight? He lies. He He lies. Yes, he deceives him. He takes a submarine, kills all the people, hires Black Manta to use the submarine to convince them that the the land dwellers want to declare war against the sea, right? So he deceives. Yes. Then he needs to get allegiance with the fisher people. How does he do that? He kills. He kills the king. And he forces the daughter to be in allegiance with him. Right, right. And then finally, the, the, the kingdom of the brine. How does he convince them to align himself to fight against this uh, fight against the land dwellers? Yeah. He goes, de- declares war on them. So mm-hmm. he deceives, he assassinates, and he declares war. This is the path of tyranny. This is the path of authoritarianism. Yeah. This is not the path of Christ. When mm-hmm. I, I, and we have, yeah. to, we have to be very clear on that, uh, so, that this is not the path of Christ. What, is, know, what is the path of Christ then? Good question. And so the path of Christ, I think, is what Arthur Curry does, where it's like, is, is to pursue peace. I know in the movie, it's peace in the midst of battle. Yeah. Christ didn't do it that way. Peace in the midst of sacrificial love. Peace in, so, mm-hmm. so like you said, even though he was struggling with it in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew that his life was in God's hands, and he knew that everything would be okay because of that. And even though he went through the painful, torturous, scourging death of the cross, he knew that on the third day he would be raised yeah. back to life. Yeah. You know, and so, so what? So knowing that that's what was going to happen—that heaven and earth were going to become one through his sacrifice. What does he do? How does he respond? He says, I'm not going to fight back. I will not strike, nor I will declare war. I'm not an authoritarian. I am not a tyrant. I will die for you. I will die for you. You know, and so that's, that's the way of Christ. That's what how, does, how does Arthur yeah. Curry show that? Well, there's three ways. One is the authority, the mark of authority. And what is the mark of authority? It's Atlan's trident. Okay. When that was when, I guess, when Atlan was king, of Atlantis, he was the one that unified all the seven kingdoms. And it was mm-hmm. under the authority of his trident that he unified everyone. That's why it was so impossible for anyone to get his trident, but Arthur Curry did. So he had the marker of authority. Jesus had that authority as well. Not only by God saying that he is his son, but he's okay. also the descendant of David. You right. know what I'm saying? He had yeah. that authority, right? Yeah. The next thing was his armor, the king's armor. So I don't know if this is true. So if someone, if someone investigates, let us know. But the armor that he wears when he comes out of the tomb. That yeah, gold and green. Yeah, the gold and green. That was Atlan's armor he was yeah, wearing. Looks the, like the, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. That was, I mean, he didn't have all of it, but that was Atlan's armor. So this, this unifying figure is giving not giving because he's dead but he takes the king's armor right and i wanted to bring that up when you mentioned how you know god doesn't want us to simply be benefactors of his salvation he sure. wants us to he wants us to become his hands and feet on this earth unifying heaven and earth in our own context right in ephesians we have this famous passage in ephesians 6 the armor of god where hmm. we get the breastplate of righteousness and all that i you know i 
I always hear youth pastors talking about that <laughs> because it's such a cool image. You know, you get the armor of God, you get the armor of God. So yeah. I always thought that I had to, I had to create enough faith or mm. spiritual discipline to have this armor to, to deserve mm. it. Right. Yeah. I did some more reading. I did a little digging. The only time that we hear breastplate of salvation in the, excuse me, breastplate of righteousness and helmet of salvation is in Isaiah 59. Wow. That's the only place that we see it. So it's my theory that while Paul was writing Ephesians, he had Isaiah 59 in his yeah. mind. Okay? okay. And what was the context of Isaiah 59? There's injustice in the city yeah. of God. Mm -hmm. There's so much injustice. It's like darkness covering them. They're walking blindly, There's, you mm -hmm. know, and all this and stuff. There's so much injustice in this world and no one is intervening. Wow. That's one of the passages. That's one of the verses in, in Isaiah 59. No one was intervening. This appalled God. So he took it upon himself to bring justice. Yeah. And he wears the breastplate of righteousness and yeah. the helmet of salvation. Wow. So if this is true, if Paul is thinking about Isaiah 59 while writing Ephesians 6, this armor of God does yeah. not come from us. We don't, we don't create it. Yeah. The armor of God is from God himself. Yeah. God is giving his armor to his people. Wow, that's sick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know how deep that is? And yeah. what does that imply? What does that imply? This implies that God's plan for his people is since I instill justice and since I bring justice into this world, I want my people to right. do the same. I want my people to do the same. And wow. so that's, that's what I wanted to bring up. He gets the king's armor. It's yeah. almost as if it's like Atlan is their god, if you will. You know, is Atlan is their god king. And sure, he yeah. gets the god king's armor. What does he do? That armor now is giving him that authority again mm, yeah. to do what needs to be done, which is right. unify the kingdoms. Right. Not only the kingdoms okay, of the okay. sea, but yeah. the land, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. The last marker. The last marker. He breaks barriers why he's mm. able to communicate to fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah because of his ability because of his ability to speak to sea creatures he has the ability to speak to the atlanteans he has the ability to speak to land dwellers yeah. remember he was yeah. speaking italian when he was in that italian island right right and he also has the ability now to speak to all sea life yeah what is this? This, in my opinion, is Acts 2. This is Pentecost. This is yeah. the reason yeah. why people speak in tongues. This is the reason why people have different, they, they are given the gift to speak different languages, according to Acts 2. Yeah. It's so that they can unify without tyranny, without intimidation, yeah. and without authoritarianism. It's so that we can communicate with one another freely so that we can convince one another, let's be united instead of divided. That's Arthur Curry. That's him as the true king. He has the authority of the trident. He has the God armor. And he also has the ability to speak yeah. to fish. Yeah. But this is, for me, these are all parallels of Christ. These are all parallels of Christ. He right. has, he's been given the authority as a descendant of david he's also and let me just say this because this the armor is the you know the breastplate of righteousness the helmet of salvation 
the belt of truth. All those things that they're referring to, these pieces of armor, are referring to Jesus. Jesus is truth. Jesus is righteousness. Jesus is salvation. What does that mean? Paul is basically saying, you gotta be, you gotta love Jesus, or you gotta be so close to Jesus that Jesus is your armor. Jesus is your armor. And you gotta establish his plan and his will of uniting uniting heaven and earth together using Jesus as your armor. Yeah. You know? And and by doing that, you will unify people, not by your own power, but by the power of the Spirit by the power of the spirit in order to do what God needs to, God wants us to do, which is unite. So, yeah. Okay. You, you've convinced me, Simon, that Aquaman is not as bad as I thought it was. Success. <laughs> Success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's not, um, immediately apparent that yeah. he's such an amazing hero. You know? <laughs> no, no, he's not. You had, you had to, you had to work at it. To, yeah. to work. But I, I totally see where you're saying that Arthur Curry has the, the authority, the armor, and, and, and the, he breaks barriers. I, I'm trying to walk through my, my church, uh, mm -hmm. sermon series on the book of Isaiah. Oh, nice. And, um, the whole subject and theme will be on justice, biblical justice. Absolutely. Right? Exactly. Uh, Absolutely. And I never saw that. I think Isaiah 59 might even be one of the messages that I'll be, uh, that I've assigned to myself to preach on. So. Yes. That's crazy right. cool that it's, it's God who first dons the, the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. And, yep. and then now he's giving it to us. I mean, in Ephesians, we always know from the, the, the headings in our Bible that it's, we know it's the armor of God. You know? Right. Right. But, but you're making a connection here for me that we don't just wear this armor for, you know, kicks and giggles. Right. right. Right, exactly, right. To look good, right? Like like a kid on Halloween night. Yeah. Um, we wear the armor for a purpose. Um, it's not only because we're under attack by the enemy, right? but it's meant so that we can go out into the battlefield and, yep. and to start fighting for the cause. Exactly. What is that cause? In your mind, the cause is to um, unite people, reconcile, yeah. break yeah. barriers, and, and I'm 100% for that. Um, I, I'm actually surprised that usually I'm the social justice warrior trying to convince <laughs> you to be one too, and all of a sudden Aquaman convinced you. Yeah, right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> God's agenda has always been to to bring life and abundant life to all people, right? Yep. And where yep. there is not abundant life, where there is an, a stomping and stamping and oppression, subordination happening, God wants to right those wrongs. Yeah. And bring equality back. Right, I agree. For me, like I, when I look through superhero movies, like the the one that strikes to me as the the closest to the this, the the Jesus type figure, right? Mm -hmm. is Thor. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 right. So I don't remember if it was Thor one or two or ten or whatever, but like the those dimensions, those those portals to different worlds aligned. You know, maybe it was Thor two. And it, it aligns. And so all of the, the various worlds and universes can pass through each other and they can see what's happening, right? And Thor gives up his life to save our, save everyone. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, at the end of the movie, um, Anthony Hopkins, the Odin guy, right? Od King Odin. Yeah. He says that all of the nine universes, nine realms saw your sacrifice mm. for them. 
and said, now you deserve to be king. Wow. You know? Yep. And, and that's, for me, that's what, the reason why Christ deserves all praise and glory, yeah. why he deserves to sit on the throne and, and, and have all authority, because he is the one who, who saved us. Yeah. Yep. And, and his sacrificial love and his self-surrender and his self-emptying is exemplary for us. It's, it's for our benefit, but it's also a, a challenge and a call for us to do the same. Exactly. Um, right. And so I saw that in Thor. And, <laughs> nice. And I, I, I didn't really see it in Aquaman, you know, because I don't, I don't know. I mean, in the end, I think you can argue that Aquaman did lay his life down for, mm-hmm. for another person and that, what, that's what qualifies him to be king. I, but I, I saw another aspect in which Aquaman kind of exemplified Christ-like that virtue, right? It's that Aquaman had the ability, he had the, the trident right at the guy's neck. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Ocean Master. What was his yeah. name anyways? I can't take him seriously when I call him Ocean Master. Okay, let's keep on talking. I'm going to find it. I'll find okay. it. Yeah. So we we see that they have this final showdown. The two people are fighting with tridents, which which happen to be like the, the classic weapon of royalty, right? And right, so right. They, but one trident is better than the other trident. And also the user knows like certain tricks that, that makes his, his trident fighting more superior, right? So mm-hmm. somehow... Aquaman gets the upper hand and he's able to basically execute. He's, he's now able and right. he has the right, right. to execute right. Ocean Master. Or AKA uh, King Orm. King what? Orm. O-R-M. King yeah. Orm. Yeah. yeah. I like Ocean Master better than you. I may not remember that. <laughs> right. So here's what, what I see is that, that Aquaman because he didn't show mercy to the first villain, the the guy with the big bold. Oh yeah, right. You know, like in that first five or ten minutes, right. He he doesn't display mercy and compassion on that wow. guy in, in, in his you know, in the submarine, right? Yeah, in his dad, yeah, yeah. Dad, you know. And he, he shows no mercy, and he creates an enemy out of him. Wow, wow. And so now, instead of looking at King Orm. As an enemy, he sees him as a brother. Right. And he shows him mercy and he does not kill when he can and should. Right. And that's exactly what happens in, in the Christian salvation story, right? Like God has the ability and the right to give us what we deserve. Yeah. We, we are traitors. We're treacherous. We uh, rebelled. We are not, we do nothing but stir up division and conflict and war and we try to amass power by deceiving other people and act violently, right? Like humanity itself deserves to be executed. Right. But what God does is he saves us. Exactly. By not killing us. That's good. You know? And that's what yep. Aquaman does. That's yeah. how I see him kind of imitating what Jesus stands for. I, I couldn't agree more, Joey. And let me just add to your, to your thought, his quote uh, of King Orm's quote. And he, once when he has the trident up to his neck he goes just, just screams kill me kill me you know and yeah. apparently that was like this honor idea for for the atlanteans kill me you know and and he doesn't can't endure the shame of loss right yeah and he said and and i forgot what king uh arthur said but um he doesn't and 
And and then King Orm says, or Ocean Master, he says, mercy is not the Atlantean way. Mm. Yeah. Mercy is not the Atlantean way. And like Arthur Curry says something cheesy, and says, well, I'm not an Atlantean or something, whatever, mm. you know, but he, he's instilling some a new value. He's instilling a new value. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did historically. You know, when, when he died on the cross, that, that, what we saw, that spectacle of violence and death on the cross was, should have been for us, should have been for us. And it's almost as if we're like Ocean Master slash King Orm, you know, kill us, kill us. You know, it's almost as if that, and it's like, and, and we're crying out to Jesus, mercy is not the world's way. Yeah. Mercy is not the human way. And Jesus said, no, there's a better way. There's a higher human way. There's a, there's a far superior way and it is mercy, you know? And so, and so, yeah, I think that's exactly, I couldn't agree more. And that's, that's a very good point. Even today though, like mercy doesn't sit well with a lot of cultures, right? Like forgiveness and apologizing. Right. It, you and I are Asian, so I could say like, at least in the Asian culture, you don't want to say sorry ever because right. it brings you shame. And yeah. admitting to something that you've done is dishonorable or even losing or even getting a B minus, that those are shameful and you should never talk about it, you know? Right, right. Um, and what Jesus does is he shows us that there is a better way to do this, you know? Something something else, though, that, that's harder than admitting wrong or, or showing mercy is letting go of bitterness. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. So like if, and this happens, it's a cyclical thing. If, if I hurt you, you hurt me. If I kill your family member, then you kill my family member. Right. And, and that is how we define as humans justice, quote unquote. Yeah. Right. Right. And God's justice is so very foreign to us, very different. He, he's, the only way to break this cycle is by showing mercy and forgiveness. Right. Uh, right. In a sense, Jesus absorbs the pain and the brokenness, and he absorbs the the hurt, and he does not pass it on to the next person. You know, and that's right. what he shows for us. Yep. Um, it's not easy. I, I I know that there are people who are probably listening to this podcast who have been deeply hurt by someone in your life, and forgiving them seems like the last thing you want to do. Yeah, if they win if we forgive them, right? Yeah. They're the, they 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 get yeah. the upper hand of yeah. And I'm not saying that that's what God wants us to do because God is not only merciful but He's also just. He He gives you what is fair, but also more than fair. You know, right? right. And in in a way, we 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 try to say that we leave it in God's hands, right? And God will deal justly with what what they do. Right. But for our part. We as as a human society, we're not. At least if we, if we follow the Jesus way, you don't retaliate. Mm. You don't use violence to to make wrong things right. Mm. Um, um, we do have to put an end and a stop to injustice. Sure, but we don't do it by doing unjust things to stop injustice. You know, right, right. Um, I forget who it was. It might have been Martin Luther King Jr. Bless his heart, right? But right. he said that he he said that Jesus knows that if if we all live by the eye for an eye rule, mm. then the whole world would be blind. Exactly, right, <laughs> right. Um, that kind of a fit justice just won't work. 
because we're, we're, we'll kill ourselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so Jesus has to show us a way. Um, he has to, in a sense, save us from ourselves. And the way to do it is by showing mercy. Yep. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, this is something that we'll probably continue to unpack over and over again. But like I, uh, you know, I was listening to N.T. Wright and, and he was saying that because Wolf, you know, speaking of Miroslav Wolf, you know, he, he's a staunch pacifist, you know, mm. um, N.T. Wright won't go that far. N.T. Mm. Wright won't go that far. And it's part of his own experience where the whole idea of going, living through his father and his grandfather going through world war two, there's yeah. a certain, there's certain moments where just, not retaliating is that's probably the only option you know unfortunately you know because yeah. we still live in a dark broken world where there's individuals who will accrue power that will be so blinded by it and so tyrannical that that's all they know you know and and yeah. and that's why you know our next episode we're going to talk about jujitsu you know and oh, so that's yeah. that's a that's a promo for for, for our listeners but you know the whole idea of of conflict and violence it it's a very it's a very sticky issue for Christians right because for me personally i do adhere as a as an individual believer i do adhere that majority of the time i must not retaliate with violence i must not retaliate with violence and i will i will i will have i will ask i will try to ask yeah. god for his power to yeah. to forgive you know, but then there are moments where, you know, especially if I have a family, especially if when my when I have a wife and kids and someone is threatening their life, for me, I'm just like I feel that I feel that God will give me the grace to just stand up and retaliate in violence if they if they ever hurt them, you know. But that all being said, that shouldn't be our go-to response. That should not be our yeah. go-to response. I feel that turn the other cheek is a teaching of Christ that we should all listen to more so than not. But yeah. at the same time, I think also we always we have to constantly talk about this. You know, yeah. um, another thought I had, too, was in regards to forgiveness and bitterness. Bitterness for me has always crept up, even when I try to act like the good Christian and say, oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. Yeah. Bitterness still happens within my heart. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Where like there's like maybe something happens while I'm driving that reminds me of that incident and then just rage <laughs> and anger just consumes my heart. Like I just want to hurt that person that hurt me first. And this is for me, this is how I've learned to try to confront that. Bitterness will always be there. It's always constant. And we shouldn't pretend that it it, it goes away when we say the words forgive i forgive i forgive you know it always mm -hmm. happens yeah. but that is the struggle of forgiveness Str the forgiveness is the forgiveness is like a wrestling match it's like jujitsu if you will mm -hmm. you know where the idea is that you're fighting against your bitterness where you constantly fight against your bitterness and you have to endeavor to subdue it and conquer it and how do you conquer it you constant for me i constantly yeah. in prayer constantly in prayer is like lord i have bitterness right now i don't know where it came from i can't do this on my own but i know i'm supposed to forgive help me mm -hmm. for forgive you know mm -hmm. and it wasn't easy at first but i just kept on doing it and so for, I, and i think and the reason why i say this is because i think a lot of times as sadly as the church we don't talk about forgiveness and we don't talk about the nuances of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just simply saying, I'm sorry and accepting the apology. 
Forgiveness is a struggle. It's a constant struggle within us. Why? We are human beings polluted by sin. And because of that pollution, we are constantly wanting to retaliate in violence. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. And so it's almost as if we're fighting against that flesh when we forgive. You know, and yeah. um, and how do we do that? We we need to constantly depend on God. You know, yeah. so those are my takes on what you were just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, every time I bring up this idea of nonviolence, like inevitably somebody will will talk about how difficult it is <laughs> to not retaliate, and yeah, and uh, and they may even bring up Hitler or uh, Mussolini sure. right, right, right. too, and how right. those kind of conflicts were unavoidable. Like you have to engage in violence to stop evil you know uh-huh. um and so i i i always have to remind myself that from my lofty ideals like there's always a limit to it or or, or times when it just doesn't apply and we just need god's grace and god's mercy you know yeah right, um, right recently i've been reading a book by gary haugen okay uh, he is uh, the founder and i think he's the president right now of international justice mission oh nice and um uh, I'm trying to read his books. The first book I read was called Good News About Injustice. It's a very, very good book. And he defines injustice as the abuse of power. That's okay. The abuse I, of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can see with that. In my study of the, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah basically uses the same idea that a, a king is unjust when a king doesn't do what they're supposed to do, which is right. to protect the weak and Right. That there's equality and right. sure that life is fair and that people can have equal access to a, a decent living, you know? Mm-hmm. Justice when, when they take bribes or when they, right. Um, right. when they even legally, legally and lawfully uh, appropriate land from other people, yep. causing them to fall into slavery or to indentured servitude and things like right. that. Right. So that's. And, I'm sorry. Let me, let me, what you just said, that's a very good. Marker, and I, I know I'm going off a tangent, so I'll continue, I'll let you continue shortly, sure. but like, legal, a, a, a tyrant king, an evil king is also a king who will legally do bad things. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that the law is not the superiority, it's the righteousness of the person's part to compass and govern what needs to be do, what needs to write. Yeah. And so often than not, I think our society thinks that when we limit ourselves to the law, if we try to just follow the law um that makes us righteous when that's so yeah. further from the truth you know sometimes right. people sadly because of their their unfortunately polluted hearts yeah sometimes they'll use the law to hurt people right mm-hmm. and so uh so yeah but go yes, ahead all, all kinds of legal things are happening in our world but they're totally immoral right absolutely and it happens absolutely. all the time yep. so in um, in gary Hogan's book good news about injustice he says that there's always two things that uh, come with injustice. One is violence. Deception. Mm. Uh, and wow. violence, wow. violence can happen uh, with uh, with guns or or the threat of nuclear warfare, yeah, right? Knives. It can happen very violently in the sense of of being raped or murder or, or being assassinated. Those things do happen, but violence can also happen very subtly, very legally and and apparently okay you know yeah uh, right you can, you can bleed a person to death by just taking away their resources taking mm. them home putting them into this uh un- unaffordable debt 
um, something that you and I are very familiar with. That's yes, right. Yeah. Um, and so the rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer and it's still violence. Mm, I see. You're, you're taking away a person's ability to have access to a livelihood and you're taking away their dignity and their humanity. So that's number one. Injustice comes with violence. But it also comes with deception. The, the people who do this violence go through all kinds of lengths to hide uh, their their wrongfulness and their, their evil work wow. stuff. Or they'll legitimate it by saying, that, no, this stuff is legal. Or they'll tell a different story and they'll, they'll hide the truth, right? And this, you see this in all kinds of superhero comics. You know, like the, right. the villain is in the shadows and yep. in the front on the, on the surface, things look fine. But if you looked inside, they're, what does Jesus say? They're, they're tombstones, you know? Yeah. Whitewashed tombs, right? Yeah. And so I'm saying this because you already pulled it out that King Orm, the, uh, the would be king, the, yeah. the would be tyrant, he is, he's acting unjustly. He's trying to attain his power and abusing that power through violence and through deception. Right. So, boom. That's pretty awesome, right? Not awesome, but pretty profound that you, you've already figured it out. No, I'm glad, but I'm glad that, I'm glad that you used, you, you, you resourced it with Haugen because, I mean, I, I gave up on my PhD path, you know, and, um, and, and I'm not as smart as Haugen and I'm not as smart as you. And so it's just like, so I feel that you suggested that. It's like, yeah. yes. You are smart. <laughs> point for me. Yeah, totally. So, but yeah, exactly. When you mentioned it, and I think for us as Christians, we should always be observing. We should always be observing where the idea is that when, if there's just this. So these are good markers, right? Yeah. That, that So that'll help us discern people's hearts. Where if they are deceptive and they are violent, it's this, okay, even though I might support your cause, if you are doing that cause deceptively and violently, I can't side with you. I can't side with you. And, and I'll try to help you convince yourself, look, this is not the way. This is not yeah. the way. But yeah, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. good. So the, the other point too is that earlier, and I think it was very like, um, pastoral kind of thing, you were like talking about how you're driving down, down the road and something reminds you of some, of how someone hurt you and the bitterness just kind of rises up and causes you to go into a rage, right? Like that's a very familiar feeling. And yeah. I don't know that Christians like talking about it because it's no. a negative. Maybe people don't even like talking about it. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And you, you, you pose the question of how do I resist this sin? And generally, you, we, we all say that we just give it to God. You know? Yeah, right. Something that I read in Miroslav Volf's book, Exclusion and Embrace. Thanks. He calls sin not so much a failure of knowledge or, or a misdirection of will. It, it's, it's not that we're ignorant and it's not that we're just rebellious people. In a sense, we are the only people capable of overcoming sin. Wow. We ourselves. And he's oh, talking, okay. he's actually talking about the story of Cain and Abel. Exactly. That's, ex that's the exact story I was thinking of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you ever read the book? Um, no, I, I have it. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I've had the book for a while and I never got around to it. Funny, yeah, I have yeah. it right here. As you can see, I tried to yeah. read it, but yeah. he, he's, he's heady, man. Yeah, but he I, he's good. He's good. I, 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 I like, I like him. So, um, 
both is just kind of like unpacking this story of the first murder, right? Mm, right. One brother killing another brother. Exactly. Strangely parallel to what we're talking about in Aquaman. Yeah, right, right. But um, God warns Cain. He warns him that sin is, is lurking and prowling, desiring to attack and destroy. Yep. And so watch out for it, right? Right, exactly. But Cain fails to, to do that. And yeah. it's not that he's ignorant because God told him. Right. It's not that Cain is rebellious. Rather, it's it, it's not that he freely chose to sin, but yeah. instead, it's more like he succumbed. Exactly. He That's exactly what it is. An evil power. Right. Um, before the crime itself, Cain was a potential prey. Uh, right. And, and a potential master of this predator called yeah. sin. But Cain murdered, and therefore he fell prey to what he refused to master. So, I think what we can all kind of admit to is that we are all messed up people. Yeah. And there, sin is not just something that we decide to, to do, right? Sin itself is a, is a beast, a monster yep. that's exactly to devour us and take over us, you know? Right. right. And, and so the story of Cain and Abel basically shows you that God, God kind of expects us to do to pluck up the courage to resist, yeah. to not succumb to this evil power. Exactly. No, that's right. That's exactly right. I'm sorry. Continue on. I I, I have a thought, but... Go I, ahead. You can tell okay. So the Cain and Abel story is such an obscure story, but I think it really resonates with just human life in general. And But anyways, that all being said, one of the things that I was meditating on that story is the economics of violence. Mm-hmm. And, and what Cain did at that moment was it created the gap. It created the hole. By taking his brother's life, yeah. all human history was trying to do the back and forth of, of resolving that. You know? It's like, yeah. so it's like, yeah. okay, since Abel's gone, we'll kill two more of Cain or vice yeah. versa, vice versa. Yeah. And it just compounded and compounded and compounded where we have wars yeah. and, yeah. and stuff. And that, then Jesus comes into the picture and says, as human beings, we lived on that economics ever since Cain and Abel, yeah. ever since Cain and Abel. But then Jesus said, I'm going to stop the debt. I'm going to right. stop the debt. Yeah. And I'm not going to retaliate, you know. And mm-hmm. so that that was powerful for me. But Cain and Abel Dude, is such a significant story. You should read this this chapter two here because that's exactly the, the train of thought that Wolf goes through. Really? Yeah. Wow. But maybe you have the PhD blood in you, man. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll read it. I, I have to get back into this because yeah. this is, I think this was one of the books that, I yeah. think there's something in here. I think there's something in here definitely has, for. I feel like it has anything to do with the, the topic of hero. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, right but, on. But in chapter two, Wolf says this, by his crime, Cain has robbed himself not only of a brother, but also of the possibility of belonging. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's by his own act of exclusion that he yep. excluded himself from all right. relationships, right? From other humans, uh, with his family, and with God, yep. he becomes a wanderer and a fugitive. And exactly. Land, you know. And then his his generations become even more violent, right? Mm-hmm. But then yeah. here's the hope. Here's the hope in the midst of the Cain story, and I got this from Brueggemann in his commentary, mm-hmm. and where he's saying that basically, once I think. I forgot what generation of Cain's family goes. I think it's like to the seventh. Once the seventh, the once the seventh generation happens, um, we don't hear of Cain anymore. 
Kane is gone. Kane is eliminated. And that's powerful for me because what that basically says is in, in a part of God's plan, we have people that are like Cain and they, they wish to hurt and destroy and be consumed by the sin of destruction, but they will be erased. They will be gone. Yeah. They, they don't have the final say in God's creation. They will disappear. Yes, sadly, their impact is so heartbreaking. Yeah. But they will disappear, you know, and that, that, that gives me hope. The final point I wanted to say about Cain and Abel is yeah. it's amazing that God engineered us to have the will to overcome that. Yes. You know, yeah. and yes, we have the Holy Spirit. And more and more so knowing that about Cain and what I have in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is truly grace. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't have to rely on my own will anymore to to overcome sin. I have I have the Holy Spirit that partners with me to do that. But even beyond that, and this goes then beyond the church, right? Going back to the whole idea that there's truth beyond the church. For those who aren't Christian, for those who don't call Jesus Savior, they have that, right? Mm, because they're yeah. created by God. Yeah. They have that power to say no to sin. Mm. They have that power. And if we can invigorate, maybe Yes, to Christians, but also maybe those who aren't Christians and listening to this yeah. to know that, that one, they have to know that they're created, but two, yeah. know that in that creation, they have the power to resist the destruction of sin and that subtlety of sin is, a, is, is, is awesome. I think it's, 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 it's amazing yeah. what the human person can do, you know? Yeah. I will definitely respond to that very quickly, very soon. Yeah. And, okay. Um, Wolf says this amazing thing. He says, to have a brother, one must be a brother and keep a brother. Right. And wow. that's kind of the, where Cain fell, right? Like, when yeah. God asked him, where's your brother Abel? Yeah. Cain, like, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And so, to have a home means to have a brother, but this brother is yeah. no more. Wow. That's a tragic thing. Yeah. And, and like you said, the rest of human history has been just the same old story of us right. killing right. our brothers and isolating us ourselves further, right. being ourselves from community. So for God, life in community means that we have to not only share a common social space, but we also have to take responsibility for yes. each other. Exactly. Which we already exactly. talked about with Logan, with right. Aquaman, right. Or, right? We take responsibility for each other. Right. 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 And like you said, we have this amazing God engineered us to, to have that ability to, one could even say that this free will is the greatest power that God's given us. Yeah. The greatest wow. power, you know? Yeah, right. Um, right. I, I, I preached from a passage in Judges the other week about uh, Gideon. Oh, nice. Gideon's a fantastic story. But there was a, a, a part where the Holy Spirit clothed in himself in Gideon. Wow. Gideon was the clothes and the spirit put on Gideon. Wow. Nice. And this is to say that God put on Gideon and acted through Gideon to be the savior, the deliverer of Israel right. from right. The, the Midianites. Yeah. Know? Nice. And so it's, it's not only that humans have the ability to choose right and to choose wrong, but we, we are also privileged to house to mm. be warned by God to do what God's will is. Wow. That's good. Justice, to build community, 
to um, to give everyone a place to belong. And and this is what you're trying to say is that Aquaman and Ephesians is about the uniting of heaven and earth. Yeah. Right. And God can do that through us. Yes, exactly. That's why exactly. we wear the armor of God. That's exactly right. That's because exactly right. It's not Enjoy. even now if you if you mingle Ephesians with Gideon, you're saying that God gives us the armor, but God puts us wow. on you. Yeah, heck yeah. So we put on God and God puts on us and we work as That's you know? oh my gosh, that's yeah. that is it. That's exactly right. Because yes, that because holy crap. Because in Isaiah fifty nine that it's a it's vague. It's vague because it's almost as if he's it's almost as if he's giving the armor to us and at the same time so there's that tension, right? So that when we decide to when we decide to have his armor, it's almost at the same time then we then he uses Wow, bro. That's <laughs> deep, man. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, holy golly. <laughs> yeah, well. No, I dig that. That that's but that's right. It's that it's that mystery of unifying with the divine that we have as a church, that privilege that we have of unifying that of the divine, that it's not one or the other. It can be in these both spheres, you know, that yeah. God uses yeah. us incarnationally, but then yeah. we apply. Yeah, dude, that yeah. is right. I, I, I confirm that. I, well, I really do. The, the Christian church has had a, a long history of this idea of divinization, deification, theosis, right? Mm -hmm. We salvation is not simply entering into those pearly gates and going to heaven. Right. Salvation in in a lot of sectors of the church is union with God, being yep. at one with God again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that our our personalities or our individualities get dissolved into like this sea of divinity, right? That's not it. But it's that we we are finally like God. We, we, we're mm. with God and God is with us and God's right. dwelling within us and we are dwelling with God. And Yeah, it's, ama it's amazing and beautiful and, and I feel like we don't have to wait in, until the after. Exactly. Yeah, but Joey. Yeah. We can I, have that, that union with God now. Exactly. Exactly. I and couldn't you, agree more and I think it's and, and the union and that union is not just for our own edification, right? That union is for the edification of creation to know that God hasn't given up on creation, that God is still intervening creation through his church. And yeah, that's, man, that's, that's cool. I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really great way to end this episode, Joey. I think so, so too. Yeah. Who knew that we would talk for two hours about Aquaman? Oh, gosh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you knew. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking maybe hour, hour and a half tops, yeah. but yeah, dude, that's, that's crazy. But hey, this is episode seven of the Kingsman. We thank you for listening to us. I don't think anyone has done it yet, but if you want to comment, if you want to share, yeah. please do so. We just got a website. So, so that's big news and we totally forgot to talk about that, but uh, our website, it'll be, um, we still have to figure out an address though. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back next month talking about jujitsu. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll end it with this. I'm going to butcher her quote, but what Atlanta says to Arthur Curry and to um, Mira and which is this, that he is not just a king. He is a hero. A king only fights for a nation. A hero fights for the world. So let us, uh, let us have yeah. that mindset. So, all right. 
All right. Thank you, guys. That's great. See you, everybody.